The following content is strictly designed for the enjoyment of a mature adult audience. Headphones are recommended as these stories are recorded in left-to-right dimensional stereo. Hello, I'm Samantha, and you're listening to All the Filthy Details, the literary lovesick podcast. Please don't forget me. This podcast is dedicated to DM and Chris. Thank you for your continued support. The least we can do is acknowledge that. Also, we'd like to thank all past and future Patreon subscribers. It's summer. It's hot sticky and sweaty i suggest taking a shower and putting a towel down because we're just going to turn up the heat again another notch on today's show we're joined by erotica writer jc parker the author behind the immodest collection stories of exposure and shame series Remember to listen for our secret word if you want to discuss showcasing your new title by featuring on the show for free. As always, we have our book review selection to come later. We're going to start off with a partial chapter from the Erotic Diary series, Liaisons. New assassin Alexa meets the mysterious Donna for her first mission. Those with Amazon Echo devices, be warned. This is a partial story for all the filthy details. Head on over to the Patreon for the full audio. Links are in the description. She asked for my name. name. I'm a guest, I replied. She asked me once more, this time curtly. Alexa, I stubbornly responded. I watched her thumb through her tab. A smile appeared quickly on her face as she found my name. Have a great time, Miss Alexa, she said. I nodded. A fine smile across my tight lips. The lobby door automatically clicked open, allowing me to enter a sprawling room. The lobby presented an orchestra congregated on one side of the room. Four more ladies, even more luxuriously dressed, exuded blushing smiles. A line of stools snaked around one side of the room, surrounding a small bar. There I spotted the woman with high cheekbones who would serve as my host, Dana. A Ukrainian with an angular frame was impossible to miss. Most people continued their conversations, undisturbed by my presence or the fact that the orchestra had begun to play. I took measured steps towards Dana, who still refused to look my way until I sat beside her. A bartender emerged for my drink order. Vodka. Something with vodka. I turned my attention to Dana, who appeared to be quite unhappy. You're two minutes late, she finally said. Well, I didn't know that I was going to run into some distractions at the door. I stopped talking to receive my drink, as the sounds of the instruments infused conversation. Most discussions in the room had given way to the music playing at this point. You should always expect the unexpected if you want to succeed in this industry, Alexa. This is a big deal. You fail once, you're out. So, when do I start? I asked, attempting to keep a serious, competent look. Donna remained expressionless. You talk like you know what to expect. Expect the unexpected, right? 
I smiled. Donna nodded. But her visage was still virtually impossible to read. Your first mission is not really going to be a mission. It's a trial, Alexa, she said. For 50,000 pounds, I want you to get me the wedding man of the black man sitting at the fourth table on your left. The muscular one. I tried to look at the man as subtly as I could. You have an hour and a half to find me at the Solace Hotel, she said as she stood up. His name is Mark, and his ring is rather unique. You can't fake it. She tossed a wad of cash on the bar to cover our drinks and left. Coincidentally, a round of applause for the orchestra began as she made her way out. She didn't seem to notice a soul. Holding my drink, I turned to face my mark. A bottle of red wine sat in the middle of the table. Two glasses set out, but the man was alone. For a moment, we made eye contact, but I shifted in time to avoid suspicion. Rather, his look took on a more amorous disposition. Mark motioned to me. Wanna sit down? Yes. I nodded and made my way over. I sat down coyly, trying to maintain a conservative appearance. It was hard for me to fit in there, he smiled. I'm Alexandra, I said softly. I did not yet have a good read on what kind of woman this man was interested in. Did I need to be soft and subtle, or could I be as rashes as I wanted to be? You came with somebody? Well, I was supposed to meet a business client. He postponed, unfortunately. What kind of business? He asked, pouring himself a glass. Real estate. Nothing major. He must have been some client. You look gorgeous in that dress. He said, winking. Thank you, I blushed. I didn't quite get your name. Mark, he said. The look on his face told me that I had a captivated audience. It was going to be easy, I thought. I decided to go the naughty route, which would help make this little task as fast as possible. So tell me, Mark, do you believe in miracles? Sure, sometimes, he responded. Well, what's the first thing that came to your mind when you saw me? I asked. I kept my voice low and sexy, trying to get the honest truth from him. You really want to know? Absolutely. He blurted it out immediately. I wanted to fuck you as soon as you came in. I couldn't say that I was surprised. It was already written all over his face. Well, that's good, I responded. Because I want to suck you off before you pound my ass on your hard cock. I'd whispered it just loudly enough for him to hear. I heard him breathe in loudly, almost as if he were disappointed. Unfortunately, my wife will be here in about 45 minutes, he said as he sipped his wine. How funny that he thought a wife would be a deal-breaker to a woman who had just expressed her desire, as fake as it may have been. The adventures only take a moment, I responded eagerly. He took another drink, this time pausing to look at me with more intensity than I could have ever imagined. This was going to work, I realized. I'm in room 314. Be quick. He stood up and walked to the elevator. I spent a few moments absorbing the situation, trying to be casual. It's harder than it looks. Within five minutes, I was standing outside room 314. I knocked lightly. Mark opened the door almost immediately, as if he'd been waiting there. He smiled and pulled me in with a firm grasp. I came at him just as intensely with a kiss. 
My arms wrapped around his shoulders, and his meaty hands caressed my buttocks. Mark dragged me closer to him, closing the door behind us. His hard cock, quite large, was apparent through his pants. I tossed my bag to the side and reached for the zipper of his pants, releasing him from the prison they created. Taking his hands away from my bottom, Mark unzipped my dress, sliding it to the floor. I grabbed his cock through his briefs and kneeled in front of him. I heard him exhale loudly as I took his cock into my mouth. Once I was sure he was ready to go, I stood up and pushed him onto the bed. I straddled him with my ass on his chest so that I could provide him the sucking he deserved. Mark rubbed the outside of my pussy, finding my clit quickly. I could feel a finger sliding around my opening, teasing me. You're so fucking wet, he said, moving his finger faster. He continued to work my clit, bringing me closer and closer to the edge. I tried to stay focused, maintaining clarity while I thought about my plan. I heard him lick his fingers, and he complimented my taste being loud breaths. I stopped for a moment to turn toward him. I unknotted his tie and unbuttoned his shirt before taking off my bra and moving one of his hands up to my breasts. He pulled me toward him and wrapped his mouth around them. These are amazing, he said, burying his face between my breasts. While he was distracted, I drew one of his hands to the bed frame and used his tie to fasten it into a knot. He looked perplexed at first, but I reassured him. The man who was in control has no fear, I whispered into his ear. I held his other arm to the bed firmly, not letting him move an inch. In response, he smiled and added, I'm in control, baby. Do you still believe that? I asked, lowering my body onto his dick. He was so big that I could barely take the entirety of him, making it the largest I'd ever fucked. I moved through the impact, wiggling my bottom and riding him harder and faster. Oh, fuck! He exclaimed, screaming into my kiss. He knew he was losing control, and this was not something he was used to. Do you still believe you're in control? I whispered. Yes, but you are so fucking good. He panted in response. He was utterly wrong, of course, but I would let him believe it for now. Besides, he felt amazing inside of me. I had to make sure that I didn't lose my own power to the pleasure. In as much control as I could muster, I moved myself from his dick and put my mouth to him again. I reached for my bag as I worked him with my mouth. He had no idea what was coming. I want to fuck you so good that you will walk the streets of London searching for me after this, I said, revealing the handcuffs I retrieved from my bag. I secured his free hand to the frame. I was back on his dick within seconds, leaning forward so that I could wave my arm around his neck. I rode him quickly, my grip on his neck tightening as the spasm of pleasure shot through my body. Oh god, I'm gonna come! He screamed, his voice gurgling and choking. I gripped the side of his neck harder, pulling until I knew he was unconscious. I'd let him come first, of course, and I could feel the wind. Remember, some of these stories are much longer. Head over to our Patreon so you don't miss all this. She was a pro, that was for sure. I had to fuck him, I told her. Nobody needs to know that. You stink, but you made it on time, she admitted. There was no pride in her voice, 
She reached for the envelope on the table and handed it to me. Congratulations. It is your reward. We're now on Patreon. Our offer is fantastic. You'll get access to all our literary lovesick audiobooks for a price that is comparable to a single ebook. You can end your subscription at any time, and you'll still be able to keep your books. We also have more exclusive content and even the option to put your character in our books. Head over there now and get your first glimpse of the newest title in Season 2 of the Erotic Diary series, Transitions. Time to answer your questions. I love this bit. Keep your questions coming, please. A.N. Onatop asks, Is BDSM and kink dominating the genre in recent post-Fifty Shades years? And is that choking, pun intended, other flavors of erotica? We can't deny kink has had a surge post-Fifty Shades. But kink has always thrived in erotica, in my recollection. As for it dominating, I'm not so sure that it is. We're given tons of free books to review, and what I can say is there is a rich tapestry of flavors that we tend to see, and I think you'll find this episode's book reviews reflect that. Annabelle Brito asks, Do you think conservative households breed kinky minds due to being sexually repressed? It's tough for me to say yes, even though I want to. Deep down, it's because I know it isn't true of everyone. For example, if we changed the question to something like, do you think homophobic households produce liberal freethinkers? Or racist households produce people who are into interracial relationships? I'd be hard-pressed to agree. Miss Pearl asks, what is your absolute favorite femdom erotica? I'm not into femdom, but my favorite is the erotic diary of Danielle, mainly because its narrative surpasses the idea of it being just a femdom book. But as that seems like the corporate answer, by naming a literally lovesick title, I'm going to say Tales of Femdom from the Compound by Alexis Atreides at this point in time. This episode's secret word is solar. Now, it's time for our Spotlight on Eroticists. Today, we're joined by erotic author J.C. Parker, a writer who specializes in kink and humiliation fetishes. Hello, J.C. We've just read your book, The Immodest Collection, Stories of Exposure and Shame, Volume 3. All your stories seem to feature some form of voyeurism and humiliation. What is it about this subgenre that excites you to write? I was first introduced to the king of embarrassed nudity from old comedy uh, tropes, from sketches like Benny Hill or old cartoons where the gag would be a character's pants falling down or their dress being ripped off. For whatever reason, I was turned on by that. And as I've processed psychologically what that was all about, I've realized that there's something about somebody with status or dignity being stripped naked and seeing them blush and cover up that has a vulnerable element to it. And I think that's what makes that so erotic for me. Um, 
I like the Embarrassed Naked genre because it's an emotion-focused kink. It takes something as simple as nudity and makes it this power dynamic of status and lost status when the person feels embarrassed. We go through our day-to-day -day lives trying to behave in a way that is socially acceptable depending on the norms of our culture. And when we violate those norms and do something embarrassing in public, we don't want to be seen, we want to hide. Um, I find that really fascinating. And I think just the idea of someone's guard coming down and being more authentic for that brief moment is what, to me, makes it sexually appealing. And it's a really fun kink to write because there are so many different ways you can explore how somebody can be embarrassed and how there can be an erotic element to it, which is kind of like a fun puzzle. One of the little known facts about yourself is that you've studied psychology. Do you feel that it's essential for erotica writers to be aware of the psychological side of erotica? And do you attempt to add triggers to stimulate your readers? I do think psychology is an essential tool for a writer because it helps you answer the question, why does this character find this kink appealing? Um, psychology as a science helps you reflect on emotions and thoughts uh, for a character. And I think emotions are really key with writing kink because it's not just about the physical pleasure. What's also important is emotionally, how's the character responding to something like being spanked, being tied up, being called something derogative? you don't have the emotional language, uh, it makes it a bit harder to write authentically a character. For my genre, the embarrassed naked genre, it doesn't make sense on the surface. Why would somebody get turned on being stripped and humiliated? So I use psychology to look at the emotions of a character so I can better convey when is the moment when something that's unpleasant becomes pleasant for them. Psychology has also been helpful for me to reflect on what's embarrassing for a different character. You know, I think of all these different scenarios um, that would be uncomfortable. So imagine your ex walks in on you and you're half-dressed or undressed. That would probably be embarrassing. In volume three, I took a scenario that could happen to any of us you know imagine you have a crush you invite them to a party that you're hosting and then something that you tried to hide that reflects your kinky interests uh, is exposed to your crush how embarrassing would that be so those are just some ways psychology can be helpful for writers we noticed that you like to write short stories with new characters instead of keeping them alive in sequels. Were you ever tempted to keep a character you invented going? It's really funny you ask me if I've ever been tempted to bring back a character, um, because recently I have decided that I'm going to bring back a character from the first volume of the Amatis Collection. Um, her name is Erica, and she's a boxer who suffered an embarrassing fate in the boxing ring. And I had never had plans to bring her back, but I'm a, I'm a 
mixed martial arts fans. So I was watching uh, the weigh-ins for one of the fights, and I, I know that sometimes fighters have to strip naked in order to meet their weight. And that's when a light bulb went off in my head, and I realized, you know what? I think it's time to bring Erica back along with some other uh, new characters and introduce a new embarrassing situation. So I'm, this is gonna be a first for me to revisit a new character, but I'm actually really excited to uh, explore that process. Have you been tempted to bring punishment and safe words into your own sex life? I have been tempted to use safe words and punishments, and I've actually been very lucky to have had some play partners uh, where I've been able to incorporate both of those elements. Um, when I'm negotiating a scene, I absolutely must discuss safe words with them because it's really important to know what someone's hard limits are because I need to know when to stop or when to ease up. And I think ongoing communication throughout a scene is also important because just because something is negotiated up front does not mean that something can't happen during the scene that might change things where the person might realize, okay, we need to stop now and we didn't talk about it before. So I think safe words are really crucial uh, in the form of safety and just taking care of somebody. Uh, with punishments, most of my experience has been with impact play. So if somebody I'm playing with doesn't like the feeling of a cane and they're bratty to me, I might use the cane to spank them. I've also explored a little bit of orgasm denial where I've had the person hold a position that's uncomfortable and and sit with that for a bit before I let them uh, reach orgasm. I haven't quite gotten to the space of using humiliation as a form of punishment. That can be a really intense psychological uh, experience and I have yet to meet someone who would be interested in exploring that and for partners who I know aren't interested, I don't force that on them. I, I respect what their limits are and that doesn't mean I can't have other fun ways of thinking of punishments for them. What's next for J.C. Parker? What's next for me are a few projects. I've been working on a one-shot story that's not going to go into an Amadis Collection volume, but I might write it and save it for an anthology submission, or I might just publish it on its own. I do want to write another volume of the Amadis Collection, and as you can gather from my previous answer, uh, a returning character will be involved in one of the stories. Still not quite sure yet what themes I want to explore with the other stories. Um, sometimes I like to write stories that are based on reality and, and seem like they're more realistic. Other times I like to play around with more fantasy elements, whether that's something that's like a superhero or something from uh, the medieval times. Perhaps for folks who read Volume 3, if they leave reviews um, or any feedback really at all, that might help me decide on where I want to go next. What platforms are you active on? How can people follow you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, I'm on Blogspot as well. Uh, the names are all the same, JC Parker Erotica. I'm most active on Twitter in terms of promoting my books, and I like to engage with other folks. Um, on Instagram, I've recently started to draw my own embarrassed naked artwork, so I like to post it there. Uh, if you're really curious about it, I, I actually posted a lot of pictures of embarrassed naked 
media from TV and movies in the past. So yeah, it was really fun to do and, and kind of curate my favorite um, clips. So I'd encourage you to check that out. On my blog, I talk about my writing process. I talk about the detail and psychology of embarrassed naked um, genres. I also do some sex toy reviews. So there's quite a different topics I, I talk on there. So please check me out. Um, and I'd love to hear from you, especially if you're also an artist or writer of the embarrassed naked genre. I really like to promote other folks in this community. Would you like to read us something that you've worked on? I would be honored to read something that I worked on. So what I'm going to read is a sample from the first story of the Amadis Collection, Volume 3, titled Pelt. Uh, this story captures uh, an outdoor play scene that uh, was really fun to write, uh, and it also captures one of my favorite type of prints uh, that you'll find out as you listen. So I hope you enjoy. My hand sinks into the earth and I inhale the crisp spring air. I let out a soft purr as my mind returns to the present. I rest on my knees, feeling the dirt cool against the legs of my leopard print onesie. My pelt. Danny gave me a ten-minute head start into the woods, and that means they'll be on my tail in no time. Thinking about my tail refocuses my thoughts on the full sensation I feel inside, thanks to the long leopard tail sticking out of the open trapdoor seat of my onesie. I shake my hips and watch my tail wag. The anal plug inserted deep inside me wobbles, and I feel the movement down to my tailbone. My tail is part of me, as is my fur, since predators don't wear clothes. I blink my eyes to black out the realization of what I'm not wearing underneath, focusing my attention to being in as natural of a habitat as the northern Michigan woods can offer. My energy surges through me, and I leap onto a downed tree. Leopards are skilled climbers, and I'm no exception. I spart a large branch low enough for me to leap up and grab onto with both hands. The leaves rustle, and I look over my shoulder as the sound echoes throughout the woods. All I see are lush green sugar maple trees. Danny wears green and black camouflage which gives them more of an advantage in our game. I pull myself up to the branch and stretch my body over it, taking a moment to readjust the leopard ear headband over my sandy brown locks. High off the ground, I can feel the tension in my shoulders release. I see no danger. Up here, I'm the danger. I could wait until Danny walked by before dropping onto them and going for their throat. The fantasy gives me a burst of adrenaline, and I lower myself back onto the ground to sprint through the woods. On two legs, I'm at my fastest. Trees blur past me, and I leap over down branches. Each time I land, I feel short vibrations from my tail. The sensation makes me so dizzy I almost trip. The faster I run, the more I sweat, which makes the onesie cling to my body making it feel like my natural fur. I hunch on all fours and crawl the rest of the way to a large tree nearby. Fully transformed, I nearly walk up the thick trunk, sinking my nails into the dried ridges of the bark. My spine stretches up the length of the tree until I grip tight and lift my legs off the ground.
I straddle the tree. The hard surface against my thighs blesses me with a warm feeling building from within my core. I have to be careful as I inch my way further up, trying not to lift my hips too high. When I slam them back into the tree, the momentum jostles the plug. I don't want to risk losing my grip. I'm a predator, and I won't give in to human lust. I reach the first branch and swing my legs up to wrap them around it. Just as I'm about to grab onto the branch with my hands, a snap goes off like a gun blast. I freeze, looking left and right to track the source of the noise. My eyes focus on the gaps between the trees. I can't see Danny, and that scares me. I inch my way back to the trunk and jump halfway down to save time. Leaves falling make a sound like rain. I gave away my location, and I know that's what Danny wants. I dash to the right, sprinting deeper into the woods. My heart pounds against my chest. My smile so wide it hurts my face. It's strange to know the consequence of being caught is ecstasy, and yet my body activates my flight response. I spot another maple tree in the distance and rest against it for cover. My breaths are slow, but my blood continues pumping as I wonder how close Danny is. The heat builds under my pelt. My claws sink into the tree and tear off bark to calm my excitement. I hear the rustling of leaves. I sink low and stick my head out. Standing about 50 feet away from me is a large brown and white creature moving through the woods as it sniffs the ground. It's a doe. Her coat is a light brown shade with white spots decorating her rear leg. From the crotch position, I try to get closer, walking on my hands and knees as I feel a different hunger. Memories of the savory taste of venison Danny has cooked fills my mouth with water. Logic tells me I can't catch it, but my wild side thinks I can. I want to chase it, to watch it flee in terror from my claws and teeth. My nostrils flare as I sink lower to the ground and get closer. All that separates us is a small trench, and right before I cross it, the doe stops. Her head lifts and her ears perk up. She senses danger. She senses me. Her head whips to the left in my direction, and I grin. I envision the terror in her large black eyes. I can feel the energy build in my heels, waiting for my signal to kick off. All I need is for her to run first. The doe shifts on her hind legs and then turns. Just when I'm about to sprint after her, I feel something snag on my tail. Got you. A deep voice whispers. I watch my prey bound and leap away. I want to growl, but the feeling of my tail being pulled draws out a whimper. I lower on my hind legs, waiting for Danny to release me so I cannot run them. I feel their grip tighten around my tail, generating a pulse that makes me shiver. Go on, try to run. Slowly, I walk until my tail straightens and the base of the plug stretches my ass. My hands curl into fists, my anus wrapping tight around the large round surface. The key to my escape is in me, 
and another step makes my knees weak. Any other day I could run circles around Danny, but with my tail in their hands, my legs buckle as the pulsing sensation from my ass travels to my cunt. Thousands of sparks travel up my spine. I can barely stand, let alone outrun Danny. Last chance, Kitty, Danny warns. I hear them reaching into their coat. Fuck. I turn around, fingers curve into claws. Danny towers over me, but I can still reach their face as I swipe for it. Uh-uh, that wasn't the deal, they say, dodging my swipe and grabbing my wrist. Danny pulls it behind my back, but I don't let that stop me from swinging with my other hand. Of course, Danny knows me and grabs it. They hold both wrists above my head and push me backwards. I growl, but I almost giggle as Danny pulls my feet off the ground. My wrists are slammed against a nearby oak tree. The pain numbs the feeling of Danny's white nylon rope wrapping around them. I'm not done yet, and I aim to kick for their midsection. I connect, but Danny's stomach is as hard as a rock. No, bad kitty, Danny grunts. They've managed to wrap one loop around my wrist, and they use it to pull my hands off the tree before slamming them against it once more. It's not hard, but they use enough force to tell me kicking is off limits. The sight of their camouflage-painted face is kind of scary, the way three black lines streak across their face. I stare at it long enough to let Danny finish tying a double-column knot. Once it is cinched, they wrap their arms around my waist and lift me off the ground, sliding my wrists over the branch hanging above me. Aw, oh, I should take a picture. We could make a meme with the words, hang in there. Danny's laugh pisses me off, and I let out my loudest roar. Just because they took away my claws doesn't mean I can't hurt them. I raise my leg to kick them, but feel the base of my tail get squeezed right before Danny gives it a gentle tug. I squeal and my body shakes. I want to hold on to that rage, but the pulsing sensation has me wrapping my legs around each other because I refuse to give in. That's a mistake, as Danny wraps their arm around my thighs. Gotcha. God damn it. They wrap another nylon rope around my ankles. I scream, upper lip curled back to bare my teeth. Suspended off the ground with my arms and legs tied. Danny has one. My throat hurts from screaming. The adrenaline leaves my body. I hang my head. I see Danny reaching behind their back. The sound of metal sliding free causes my head to shoot up. Sunlight reflecting off Danny's large hunting knife blinds me. Hold still, they say as they reach for my leg. My body stiffens. As the knife slides under the left leg of my pelt, I tremble at the touch of cold steel. The feeling the flat end turn as Danny twists the blade and pulls the cuff against the serrated edges. The sound of cloth tearing makes me gasp. Fresh air blows up against my calf as I feel the pant leg split open. I let out a timid squeak. There's no more denying the reality that I'm wearing nothing underneath. Danny slides the blade to my thigh, sawing upward towards my backside. By the time the slit is up to my hips, I can feel the wind blowing against my naked lower half. They cut the pant leg up to the open trap door 
and I feel the bottom of my pelt part. Sweat soaks into my pelt. The blade doesn't scare me nearly as being naked outdoors does. I assume Danny is going to cut the right side, so when they continue pushing the blade against the back where my zipper is, I whimper, feeling my pelt split in half. With each movement, I can feel the sharp edge past my hips, following the curvature of my spine, and resting flat across my shoulders so Danny can slip it under the neckline. My pelt hangs open like a hospital gown, and my anger fades into anxiety, not from the blade, but the fear of being seen. The knife slides to and fro, cutting open the neckline. Danny moves to my front and sees my face. They give me a wink and smile. I want to kick them, but embarrassment from my exposure causes me to freeze. Danny raises their hand and cuts my sleeves from wrist to armpit. Once they cut the final sleeve, gravity pulls my pelt off my body. I watch it fall into Danny's hands, leaving me hanging naked. My mouth opens, and instead of an angry roar, what comes out is a high-pitched scream. I try to squeeze my legs together to cover my unshaven privates, natural brown curls covering my slightly red lips. I've shared a hot tub naked with Danny. I've performed hundreds of strip teases for them. But here in the woods, stripped of my spots, I'm mortified that Danny sees me this way, my pale, soft, freckled body slowly turning flush from head to toe. I'm mad at myself for screaming. I've lost my wild energy. And the more I think about who took it, the more the funny tingling feeling grows. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, All the Filthy Details, for having me on your podcast and for reading my book. It was an absolute honor. Uh, it was also really fun to talk about humiliation play and kink in general. I love to talk shop. I've wanted to connect the embarrassed naked genre to a wider audience ever since I started because it is a unique kink, but I always like to think that maybe some other folks have never heard of it, might enjoy it if they've read one of my stories. So if that was you today, please come find me on Twitter or Instagram or my blog, read the other Amatis Collection volumes, and just have fun with it. Take care, folks. You're listening to All the Filthy Details. <laughs> Hello, this is Diana, and this is Filth, the erotic book review. We've assembled a team to read the same three erotic titles to let you know what to expect and ultimately give one our star recommendation. This month, we've asked the previous star recommendation award winner, H. Zilfiger, to join us alongside this episode featured author, J.C. Parker. Now, without further ado, let's start with our first book. Lydia's Letters by Cassandra Lee Go on then, Lydia, she encouraged. I began to touch myself in the way she did, pinching and rubbing my little nubbin that was firm beneath my fingers. I looked at Harriet tentatively. Relax, she told me. I closed my eyes and focused all my attention on the feeling that seemed to spread throughout my belly and within my cooney. Soon, I was breathing and moaning just as Harriet had done, entirely without restraint or ability to control myself. Oh, it's happening. 
I said between breaths. Something's happening, Harriet. Embrace it, she said. You must abandon yourself to the sensation to feel it all. Lydia's Letters is a coming-of-age erotic story uniquely recited in the form of intimate letters. The writing style is designed to replicate the style and era of Jane Austen. Expect to read a tale about sexual discovery through the eyes of someone living in a less sexually liberated time. Cucked at the Chili Cook-Off by Michael Dalton I fought it for as long as I could, but after another minute, it was too much. The orgasm exploded out from my clit in a tidal wave of pent-up energy. Jake held me as I shook between his legs. His cock fell out of my mouth as I gasped for breath. I'm coming, I moaned. As soon as I could, I plunged back down, trying to take every inch of him into my mouth to distract me from the vibrator. It worked for a moment as my gag reflex surged forward. That punched the sensation down briefly. I went back bobbing over him, massaging him with my tongue and playing with his balls. As you can imagine from the title, this is a tale about an encounter that takes place on the backdrop of a cooking competition. As the competition dies and feelings of rivalry turn into admiration, an unlikely age gap relationship develops. What starts as advice to perfect a chili soon turns into a full interjection to impact her life as Jake offers to solve issues that Kelly's partner can't. Strictly Business, Tormenting Tom by Alicia Stills. The flames reach my fingers and I shake the match until it goes out. Tom's squirm right before the match went out was so slight, it was barely noticeable. Had I not been watching him so closely, I likely would have missed it. I immediately moved to light the next one, bringing it beneath the cock cage again, though slightly higher this time. Again, Tom does his best to lay still, but squirms within seconds and audibly moans, a mixture of his fear and discomfort. My eyes remain locked on his face, eagerly watching his half-exposed lips for an indication of an attempt to use his safe word. Still, he resists calling me off. I reach for another match and light it, ending the pretense of a tease and bringing the flame directly to the metal surrounding his dick. I hold it in place for a long second before turning it around the cage where I knew his head was. Mayonnaise! You win! Mayonnaise! He called out. This femdom title is all about degradation and disdain. The book revolves around a wealthy man, Tom, who pays to be humiliated by young escort. Tom assumes that he holds some control over our protagonist as an employer, but as he starts to fall for his dom, it's made clear to us that everything that has taken place was strictly business. To make things worse, as Tom becomes more deluded, our protagonist's disdain for him grows to the point she's willing to destroy him. Harold Zilfiger, the author behind Bound at Dusk, last episode's star recommendation, agreed to help us review these titles. Let's hear what he thought about this month's books. Thank you for inviting me to take part. I enjoyed all three of this month's books for different reasons. While all feature two main characters, each is distinct and distinctive in flavor and bite. Strictly Business is the most graphic of the three. 
the unnamed female protagonist's repeated ritual humiliations of her most despised client reads like a how-to manual for dominatrixes. There's no shortage of apparatus or positions or degradations. That's no bad thing if that's your taste. My personal preference, though, is for a narrative style that is more show and less tell. Having said that, many fans of the BDSM genre will find something to interest them in this work. The extract from Lydia's letters couldn't be more different in form and style. The work starts with an acknowledgement to Jane Austen and the depiction of the blossoming of young Lydia's sexuality under the guidance of her older married friend Harriet stays true to the form of Victorian erotica. I'm impressed that the author chooses to constrain herself in this way and even more impressed that she manages to do it justice. The language is delightfully old-fashioned, the scene setting is deft, and the pace is gentle rather than frenetic, leaving space to breathe. This is one to linger over. Cupped at the chili cook-off is not just a mouthful, but also my favorite. This surprised me. I hadn't expected an erotic story that started with a neighborhood cooking competition to be anything more than a quick and forgettable read, but the author took me on a journey that turned out to be substantially more satisfying. I sympathize with Kelly's growing disenchantment with her inattentive husband. I anticipated her every encounter with her older neighbor, Jake. As the story progressed, the tempo rose. The final climactic scene between Kelly and Jake, when it comes, is well worth the wait. The writing is fluid, the dialogue does what good dialogue should, and I even learned how to improve on my chili. Clearly, my pick of the month. Thanks, Harold. We also asked this month's featured writer, J.C. Parker, also to share his opinions. J.C., what did you think about these titles? I enjoyed all three of these uh, books. Uh, when I was reading them. Um, Cucked at the Chili Cook-Off, I resonated with because I like cooking as a dating activity. So the idea of having the story take place at a cook-off, I thought was a fun way to introduce the characters to each other. And although the title you would think might give away what's going to happen, I, it was a very sweet story um, because it, it helped me understand emotionally where the characters were. So when the ending occurred, I knew exactly why um, they were doing what they were doing. And I could, I could resonate with how they both fulfilled each other's needs. And so that was a really sweet ending. Um, in addition to being a really hot um, story about uh, cook fantasies. Um, Lydia's Letters, I, I also enjoyed. I have a fondness for first-person narrative that's written as a way of like a letter or newspaper narrative. Um, so anytime someone takes a kind of like a different approach, I always enjoy it. And Lydia's Letters did a nice job of describing the beauty of the excitement of a kiss or the excitement of masturbation. Just those basic experiences that we might take for granted, but when it's slowed down and described as a person's first experience, it really was a beautiful way of 
hearing how someone um, got excited from exploring something that would have been taboo for that time. So Lydia's Letters was really enjoyable. My favorite of the three, which may be a bias, is uh, Tormenting Tom. Uh, a lot of humiliation play that was really well done in, in this um, book. Uh, although there's a lot of uh, description of like physical pain being inflicted, I really appreciated the psychological aspects that the author did with what was inflicted on Tom. Um, I thought it was really well done and I appreciated the way in which she explored those dynamics as well. Um, big kudos though to the way in which she captured the emotional frustration of the protagonist towards Tom. Like I found myself getting frustrated towards him and as the stakes got raised throughout the story, um, I was surprised at where it was going and when the ending finally came, I was real happy with the emotional payoff. So all of the stories are great, but Tormenting Tom, I think, really took me through a journey um, that I really enjoyed going through um, and that I, I really resonated with. As someone who writes humiliation play, I, I, this is very enjoyable to see someone else's work with this type of uh, kink. So highly recommended. Um, and thanks so much for um, recommending these to me. Okay, so it's back to me to pick one of these marvelous titles to be this episode's star recommendation. It's never an easy decision, especially when all authors are so strong. But I'm going to do the sums and show the working out. So, Lydia's Letters had the potential to be the best book here, with possibly a selection of erotic encounters per letter while growing in age and experience. However, we can't assume what's in the content of this book based on an excerpt, so this book gets a cool 4 out of 5 stars. We'd gladly recommend it on what we read, and to the best of our knowledge, you can read the same excerpt on her website. We'll post that link. So, here's where it gets tricky. Cucked at the Chili Cook-Off and Strictly Business, Tormenting Tom, are both easy to recommend 4.5 out of 5 reads. Strictly Business is the epitome of femdom, a genre I personally don't warm to, but it's clever and thought-provoking. It makes you question what you think you know about power dynamics, control, and money's role when it's involved in a sexual relationship. Cucked at a Chili Cook-Off is a book more in my comfort zone. It's light, fun, and sexy, which makes it easy to recommend. Beyond that, the author, Michael Dalton, has created a brand presence so strong with fantastic artwork that you may find yourself collecting titles rather than stopping at a single book. However, I'm going to make Strictly Business, Tormenting Tom, our star recommendation. Don't get me wrong, these books are equally good and may only appeal to people who like reading these particular subgenres. But I think Strictly Business had to be special for me to acknowledge a femdom book this way. Also, I think characters in all books come alive when they make you feel things, and beyond the apparent feelings you'd expect from an erotic title, this book took you somewhere else. At times, you could feel our protagonist's rage, anger, embarrassment, frustration, etc. I don't think you can go wrong with either, but Strictly Business wins our vote today. Amazon and Goodreads may disagree with our assessment, but I've spoken. Now, we can't let Harold Zilfiger go without asking him, 
What's next after his fantastic book? I'm taking a break from writing erotica to focus on fantasy. I've always wondered why mainstream fantasy novels can have fantastic creatures and dangerous magic, but only two sexes, male and female, and very little actual sex. My erotica-tinged fantasy series begins in a land inspired by the ancient Ottoman Empire, and features a witch hunter chasing her prey. It's called the Taking of the Witch, and you can read it as it develops on Inkit.com. I'll be returning to erotica proper as the nights grow long and the blood grows cold. In Scotland, we call that August. Thank you. So let's take a glimpse of what's new to read in the world of erotica. Links are in the description. Threesomes, foursomes, moresomes, couples solo, by Philip Mitchell Stein. Threesomes, foursomes, moresomes, couples solo is a collection of five brand new stories, each one based on one of the scenarios in the title. Stained Glass by Deirdre Winter. Stained Glass is a lesbian erotic romance with an edge. An uncertain interior designer meets a quiet carpenter when they work together renovating an old cottage in the woods. I hope you feel inspired to check out something we've discussed today. Now let's hand you back to Sam. See you soon. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Remember. Links can be found in the description. Good, you're still here. Let's continue with some more hot and steamy erotica. Our next story isn't our usual offering from the Erotic Diary series, but a few clips of what started everything off for us. The Erotic Diary of Natalia, written by Isabella Dickens, was designed to be a daily updated series that would be expanded to include other characters' journals. As fate would have it, we canned the format with our different book styles showing more potential. We took this book out of the Erotic Diary series continuity, but it's in this book where we first introduce Dana. This audiobook is available in full on our Patreon. Enjoy! This is a partial story for all the filthy details. Head on over to the Patreon for the full audio. Links are in the description. 17th of January 2020. I hadn't been able to stop thinking about the suicide dolls. That man said another one had gone. I'm sure of it. Oh God, that's three of five of us dead. I'm scared. I'm afraid they'll find me. My head hasn't been right today. I cancelled my interview at the travel agency. 18th of January 2020. I'm writing in here on Sunday morning because I've only just got in. Wow, last night was... So, I went to Liam's gig. I asked Angela to come, but she couldn't make it, so I went on my own. Liam looked gorgeous on stage in a black shirt that was half unbuttoned and black jeans and boots. I swooned when I saw his hairy chest and blushed when he waved at me from the stage. There were quite a lot of women there, a lot of whom obviously fancied Liam. The lead singer in the band was also a hunk with blonde hair and a similar body to Liam's. The guitarist and drummer both had long hair and looked like typical rockers. The music was pretty heavy rock, but it was fun and you could dance to it. After the gig, Liam walked straight over to me. Hey, he said, I'm impressed that you stayed for the whole thing. 
then, just like that, he kissed me. I felt giddy as our lips locked. I couldn't believe it was happening, so quickly. We were pretty much inseparable after that, for the duration of the evening. We went to another bar together, and then back to his apartment. Liam gave me the fucking I really needed. He pushed me against the wall and kissed me passionately. He ran his fingers through my hair and then up my dress. He pulled down my black panties and knelt in front of me. He flicked his tongue across my clit teasingly and I gasped with pleasure as I lowered myself onto him. He picked me up and carried me to the bed, eradicating my dress. I reached for his shirt but he pulled it quickly over his head. I grabbed his belt and he helped me to take his trousers and boxers off. I sucked his hard, throbbing dick with hunger and looked into his amazing eyes. He moaned and held on to the back of my head as I sucked him. Pushing me onto the bed, he let his cock find my vagina. I moaned as he thrust into my soaking pussy and he kissed my neck and my tits. He fucked me hard and fast, bringing me quickly to an intense orgasm. As I came, my fingernails gripped his bare back and my legs locked around him. He gasped into my neck and I felt his cock getting even harder inside me as he reached his own orgasm. Oh God, Natalia, he moaned as he came. I groaned with pleasure as his semen filled my pussy, hugging him even tighter. I whispered into his ear, you have no idea how much I've wanted you. 19th of January 2020 I had a nap this morning, then a long bath. I've been satisfied all day, after last night, and I'm keen to see Liam again. We've texted a little throughout the day, and I might be seeing him tomorrow at the pub. Angela's been in touch too. I told her about my flat hunting, and she sounds like she might be interested in sharing. We're meeting tomorrow before I go to work. 20th of January 2020. Good news. Angela is up for moving into a flat together. She's going to get a job, as her and Lisa have a bit more distance from each other. She tells me they're not breaking up, but they are no longer going to live together. I'm not quite sure what's going on in their relationship, but it doesn't sound healthy to me. It looks as though Lisa consistently puts Angela down. I think this bit of distance will be good for her. So we've had a bit of a look earlier and booked a couple of viewings. Angela had some CVs with her and seemed a bit more confident about handing them into places. I wished her luck and told her that I knew she could get a job, anything she wanted. She looked really grateful for the encouragement and I couldn't help but notice how much things have changed in our relationship already. Less than three weeks ago, she was encouraging me when my own confidence wavered. I really hope she gets a job quickly. Liam couldn't make this evening, but he's coming to the hotel tomorrow. He says he'll be here after lunch and that he's excited. I can't wait to fuck him again. 21st of January 2020. Liam came as promised and we did something I didn't think I'd ever do. We were already having fantastic sex and I'd come twice he was fucking me from behind when he took his cock out and rubbed it close to my asshole. As his dick pressed into my ass slightly, I found myself moaning and pushing back into it. I was so aroused, the thought of him fucking me in the ass was turning me on even more. For the first time ever, 
I loved the naughtiness of it. Oh, God, yeah. I found myself moaning. Fuck my ass. Fuck my ass. Liam groaned as he pushed his cock slightly into my ass. I bought lube, he said, pulling away to lean down to the floor. He picked up the jacket he'd worn and pulled out a new bottle of lube. He squeezed some onto his hands and over his cock, then put some more around my asshole. The cool sensation made my ass even hungrier. I really wanted him to fuck me there. I wanted to be the naughty girl I knew I could be. Yes, I moaned as I felt his dick going in. It hurt at first and I felt myself resisting, but he was slow and patient as he pushed his cock inside me. As I felt his penis further and further inside my asshole, I began to accept it more. I drove back into him and joined his thrusts. He reached around to stroke my clit and led me to my third orgasm as he fucked my ass hard. When Liam came, we both gasped and I felt his body shaking violently above mine. Wow, Natalia, he moaned. Oh God, wow. We spent the afternoon lazily in bed before he had to leave to go to work in the restaurant. It turns out he's a part-time chef as well as a musician. I'll have to cook for you one day, he said before he left the hotel. I licked my lips and told him I'd look forward to that day. I'm really enjoying seeing Liam. He's fun and he turns me on something chronic. 22nd of January 2020 Another day off today, and I took a taxi to an art museum. It was lovely to get some culture. There were fantastic paintings and sculptures dating back several centuries. In the taxi, the driver was extremely friendly. He gave me his number when I told him I was new to the city, like Angela had done. You won't find so many friendly people here in London, he said. Here, take my number. I'll be available if you ever need me to be. I thanked him and used it again later on. He brought me home as well, and we talked even more. He's lived here for 15 years and knows all the city's secrets, he claims. I mentioned rainbows to him and he laughed and called it a lovely madhouse. It was nice to get along with someone so easily. I hope to see him again. His name's Ian. I missed yoga today because I was so tired. I hope Liam doesn't think I'm avoiding him. 23rd of January 2020 Angela texts me today to say she's found a job in a hairdresser's. I didn't even know she was a qualified hairdresser. But it turns out she is. She kept that quiet. I'm thrilled for her. We're celebrating tomorrow lunchtime with a bubbly brunch. One step closer to sharing a flat. 24th of January 2020 Lunch was fun with Angela and she seems in much better spirits. She ranted about Lisa a little bit, but she sounded optimistic about us two moving into a flat together. Our viewings are tomorrow morning, and we've both got the same favourite. Work was okay, but I'm getting a bit bored of it. I think I'll stick it out a bit longer. But really, I want something in the daytime, in an office. It would be nice to have my evenings to myself, as well as the weekends. 25th of January 2020. Guess what? We got a flat. And guess when we move in? Next Saturday. I'm thrilled and amazed that it's worked out this fast. It's a furnished flat, close to Newcross. I'm so, so, so excited. 
I text Liam earlier to tell him, and he told me he couldn't wait to come round. The thought of him visiting me in my own space aroused me, and I used the rampant rabbit again tonight. I told Liam I was using it, by text, and he got really turned on. I can't wait to see him again. 26th of January 2020 I treated myself to a Sunday lunch today in a big old pub and bought some new clothes. It's the time of the month and treats like these make me feel better. The lunch was amazing with fantastic roasted potatoes. Join us on Patreon for more of this. I'm feeling sexy despite the period. I want to suck Liam's cock and watch the pleasure in his face. Neither of us went to yoga, but we got in a variety of positions. He didn't care one bit about the period. I've been spent all day, but happily. Time for bed again. All of the Erotic Diary series titles can now be purchased in one book. The Erotic Diary series, season one, the complete anthology. You'll get the Erotic Diaries of Isabel, Danielle, Scarlet, and the Liaisons Anthology, presented in a single timeline, plus a bonus chapter ahead of Season 2. All links can be found in the description. It's been a pleasure, people. Next month, we're toying with the idea of having a special episode, so please don't be disappointed if our usual format isn't there. You've been listening to all the filthy details. The Literary Lovesick Podcast. Thanks for joining us. See you soon!